0: Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 13 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming 2013 World Series of Poker main event champion, Ryan Reese. Ryan is also a WPT title winner and has close to $15 million in total career earnings to his name. Since bursting onto the scene seven years ago, Ryan can mostly be found on the high roller circuit, but he also spends plenty of time at home as the proud dad of three little girls. And today, we'll get to learn more about his career and life away from the felt. Ryan, welcome to Cards Jet. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me. And good to Yeah, Good to be speaking with you. Um, thank you very much for agreeing to speak uh, speak with us today, and uh, I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better, and I'm sure our listeners are too. Um, so let's start, uh, not from the beginning, not nothing like that, but sort of when you sort of burst onto the scene, uh, your breakout score. It was a run out runner up finish in the 2012 WSOP Circuit main event for about 240k. Tell me about that and how that sort of launched your career into what it's become?
1: Okay. So at the time I was actually still going to college. I was a senior at Michigan state. I was preparing to graduate in December. Um, So that was two months before I graduated. And uh, it was funny. I was, I was working, I was a poker dealer at the time. Right. So I was dealing and one of my, I, I didn't have a lot of money at the time at all. I think this is kind of a crazy story, but um, before this tournament started, I had two thousand dollars to my name, and and the buy-in was one thousand six hundred seventy-five. And uh, but I was working, and like I was doing pretty good um, as a poker dealer. Like back then, there was a tip cup, so there could be there was like a little cup on the table, and when they when someone would would win a pot, they would just throw chips in there. Since then, they got rid of that for like the charity poker rooms in Michigan. But sure. when they had that it was very lucrative to be a dealer. Right. So, uh, so I had like a good couple weeks dealing. One of my friends was like, Hey, do you want to drive to Chicago and play this poker tournament? Right. And if you look at my hand and mom, I had no caches before that. I played exactly. a few tournaments, exactly. but, uh, but I was never successful. And I was like, sure. So we drive out there. I finished work at like 11 PM and then we had to drive four hours to Chicago and the tournament was the next day. So we get to Chicago, like four in the morning, all the hotels are sold out. So, so you can't get a hotel anywhere. It's in Hammond. So like there aren't many hotels nearby anyways. And then all the ones that were there were sold out because this is a huge circuit event. So we end up just playing blackjack from four in the morning until noon when the tournament started. (laughs) So I have my $2,000 to my name and I just buy in with the whole thing at the blackjack table. And I, I actually got down to one hundred dollars of that money, and then spun it back up to two thousand, and then stopped and was like, "Okay, I need to take this money to play." Because <laughs> if I'd have lost that last hundred dollars, I wouldn't have even been able to play the tournament, right? Because I didn't buy in yet or anything. So, uh, yeah, I got really lucky to even be able to play, and then, and then the tournament went great, and we ended up chopping. Um we ended up actually chopping it three ways. They didn't really facilitate it back then, so it, there's not much of a um record of that. But the tournament, so it was it started the day three started at noon. Right. And we had to finish the tournament that day, but the structure was really slow. And guess what time we finished? 2 a.m. 7:30 a.m. Oh my god. Wow. From noon so so like and they wouldn't do anything like everyone's like like they're, they're like get taking rid of like getting rid of all the tables like everyone's like ready to like they have flights to catch like people had to leave right. they wouldn't let us chop it uh or th- they would let us chop it but they wouldn't like facilitate it so like everything we have to do on the side and then you get, we didn't the players didn't know each other so you have to like trust the pe- people that they're not going to steal from you and stuff wow. but uh but yeah, really, really crazy story. That is but a, that's kind of how yeah. it all started. And then I graduated from uh, Michigan State mm-hmm. and then just started playing full time.
0: Right. That, that is an amazing story. You don't hear too many people say, going to put your entire bankroll, your entire net worth on the table. That's, uh, you know, it's serious, yeah. it certainly could have gone another way. It's a, a great way to start off this show. Um, <laughs> and, of course, you mentioned, so you were in college and you finished college. That's an interesting thing, though. A lot of people, you know, in that situation, if you're already prepared to put your entire bankroll on the table, you say, okay, well, now i got, you know, one-third of 240K. So you got something like that. Hey, let's just go and play poker right away. But you stayed in college and you finished. So how and why was that important to you to do that?
1: Well, I only had two months uh, until I graduated. So that made it a lot easier to finish. I think, to be honest, if I had, like, two years or maybe even like more than a year, it may have been harder. Cause like, even after I won that money, it was hard for me to like be in the, like to do school stuff. I just didn't want to do it. I just wanted to play poker. Like like, as soon as I finished my last test, my last like final exam, I got in the car and drove straight to Borgata, (laughs) which was a 12, 12 hour drive from Michigan. And I didn't like walk like, and get my diploma and do the ceremony and all of that stuff, I just skipped all that. I just wanted to play poker. I totally so, hear that. Wow. I, I, as soon as I could get out, I, I was out. But uh, but I was very lucky that I had only two months, like I said. Right. right. Because but, – but it was important for me to graduate. Like, I loved college so much. I'm a huge, diehard Michigan State fan. Um, my parents definitely wanted me to graduate sure. just as, like, a backup plan in case poker doesn't work
0: out because – it's very hard. You have to get very lucky to, to make it in vote. Well, thank, thankfully, things seem to have worked out just uh, just all right for you. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Right. So between that time when you had that that breakout score and then the main events, so I guess, what, like six, between six to nine months, something like that. What no. were you playing In that time, were you focusing specifically on tournaments or doing cash games? And now you're free. You're graduating college. So what was going on before uh, the huge main event score? Mainly tournaments.
1: I was playing a little bit of cash games, um, but mainly because my first uh, big score was a circuit event and how the WSOP circuit works, like the top 50 point getters get into, get a free roll into the national championship, which is a $10,000 buy-in. Right, And right. after getting second in that tournament, I had a decent amount of points already. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to chase this free $10,000 seat. So I started traveling to all the circuit stops. So I went to like, uh, they had one at the bike and, uh, in LA in February, right before LA BC. And then they had like one in Chicago, or one in uh, Colorado and Black Hawk. And really? I just started traveling around the country, met a lot of cool people on the circuit, and uh, just tried to get better and have fun and travel and just do new stuff. I was free, like you said, after graduating college, so I could kind of do whatever I wanted at that point.
0: Right, that's definitely a, a great way to spend your time. And I'm sure it felt amazing to, to be at that point in your life and, and uh, have that ability to do it. Um, it is easy, of course, to sort of point to the main event. And you know, later on in 2017, you had the WPT title uh, as your most impressive accomplishments. But I think what's also very, very impressive is that you've been pretty darn solid. Uh, you've notched $6.5 million in earnings over the last seven years since your main event win. This is a game, poker, with so much variance. So what does having had that sort of consistency mean to you over the last seven years
1: um it means a lot to be honest because like in the beginning I just won the main event and then the couple years after that I was playing like really high stakes was playing like 100ks and 25ks and stuff and I wasn't that good at the time um I thought I was really good but like I really wasn't that good so to like kind of get out of that phase and still be and then be able to like kind of get back to where, to where I can compete on the highest level, it was, it felt really good because like, like I said, like right afterward, it was tough. Like I kind of just, I won the main event. So I'm a 23 year old kid with a lot of money. So I just jumped right into the waters with all the sharks, with all the best players in the world playing really high stakes and it didn't work out. And then I kind of took a step back, um, started playing like lower stakes, like still like relatively high stakes, but I wasn't playing hundred K buy-ins anymore. And then I, I was able to really
0: uh work on my game and get better and then i was successful was it through mostly playing and on the felt experience or did you just like hardcore get in the lab and and study and, and like i've never been a big to,
1: stu- um i've never been a big study guy it was mainly just playing and also just maturing i used to be like kind of crazy Um, like on the table, like my, my play style, I was just, I would just bluff like way, 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 way too much. And, uh, so kind of just like, like, just like calming down and not trying to take every spot. Not like, I was just really crazy. (laughs) And, uh, so really just like, yeah, just like calming down and taking it more seriously and not, not splashing as much. Cause when you have like a lot of money and you're young you can kind of be careless, and I felt like I was doing that to some degree. And then, uh, and then you start to lose a lot of money. And you're like, okay, hold on, I gotta stop. I gotta, right. I gotta, uh, I gotta reevaluate this. So, well, kudos that, to you I, for
0: that self awareness, because you know, plenty of people do have that amazing luck—the lightning bolt strikes—and they can't take that step back. And realize, hey, you know, I'm bleeding here, and you know, you really did, and like, like, you know, good answer. Then it it does mean a lot to you, and it absolutely should. It's a it's a good example to set. Um, you know, coming off uh, a big summer just now, playing online, you had 22 caches the the between WSOP.com and GG Poker. Uh, you know, through the online summer series, obviously, you know, <laughs> like you said, look at the hand in mob, you got tons of success live. How much of your career would you say has been online? And how much uh, effort and focus do you put on that part?
1: Um, I mean, now I play a decent amount online. I play every Sunday, um, which is all I can really play with the kids. I, I like to spend a lot of time with the family. So you're not going to see me on like a Wednesday playing online, unless it's for a bracelet. I, I'm like, I like to chase the glory. So if there's a bracelet event, I'll probably be playing it. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah,
0: it's nice to... Uh, so oh, I'm sorry. Can you repeat it again? No, just saying like what what sort of per, not percentage, but what part of your play is is done online? Would you say you're still oh, mostly okay. a live player, or you also do tons online? That's the
1: question. Um, yeah, like going back in time, I've been almost like. Solely a live player, uh-huh. but because yeah. of COVID, I've kind of we 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 don't really have that much of a choice. Tournament players, sure. So we're kind of forced to play online. So it's been good. It's really hard to play online, like all like the real time assistance and ghosting and and all various people playing together. It's it's not uh it just a lot harder than it used to be. But uh but it's a great way to learn and
0: get better. That's, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Is what do you feel you've learned? from this extra time playing online, maybe like added a couple tools to your arsenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, because you play so many hands. So you're going to be in spots that you may have never been in live or spots that you're very rarely in live that you're not that you don't really know what to do. So when you get spots like that, being able to like save the hand history and go talk to friends and make sure you get it right. Because if you don't know, like what to do like how are you supposed to make money so like being able to just play and play like infinite amount of hands like lot online you can play thousands of hands in one day where live you're playing a couple hundred maybe so it's just you're just able to play a lot more
0: for sure well, I, uh, you did mention the Hendon Mob, uh, HendonMob.com, where everyone can go and check up every player's results. I took, I took a, a really good look at that. And, you know, back in the day, you were basically playing three-figure buy-in events. Obviously, you have this uh, massive uh, multi-million dollar bankroll infusion, so you can move up a little four-figure, five-figure events. Do you enjoy playing more with the high rollers, or do you like mixing it up with us plebs once in a while?
1: I like playing main events. Um, I'm not a huge fan of like the super high rollers, like twenty five Ks and hundred Ks, because I keep a really big percentage of myself in all these tournaments. Ooh. And so like the bubbles can be really stressful. Like I don't like it at all, to be honest. Like there was a 250K buy-in in Europe last year. I stone bubbled it. Ooh. And the min cash mm-hmm. is like seven hundred thousand dollars or something I, I had a very small percentage of it because the buying's so big but mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. like i don't like the bubbles the, the the super high stakes bubbles it's not fun um for the people who have like a really small percentage of themselves it's not that bad because if you have ten percent of it it's just not the number's not as high i guess but yeah. but for me i end up keeping a big percentage of of myself in the tournaments so the bubbles are not fun at all so and and i And in those tournaments, it's all pro, uh, I shouldn't say it's all pros, but it's, it's a lot of very, um, very, very good players. And then there's like the occasional, like businessman and recreational player that's in there. And so compare that to like a main event, which is going to be like tons of recreational players, like, like say a WPT main event or WS circuit main event, or um, EPT main event or any of the any of the big main events, it's the the, the composition of the field is just completely different because there's okay. going to be a ton of recreational players, a lot of like pr- pros, but not like the the elite pros, just right. like lower level pros where it's not as it's not as challenging or not as stressful. And and your ROI in those in the main events can be so huge because there's so many people. Where in a high roller with like 50 people you're never gonna make more than 10 times your money or whatever,
0: you know right. what I mean? So you're saying it's a matter of sort of, of, of game selection mostly rather than uh, you know, personal enjoyment or anything like that. Correct, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. do you prepare differently for different types of events or you know, the higher the buy-in, the more you know, mentally focused you go in or there's no real difference to you? Uh, you know, just you know, hit me up, give me the cards and, and I'll play my game. No,
1: I'm definitely more focused when it's a bigger buy-in. Like if I go to play like a WSOP circuit event or something, I'm going to go with a different – and maybe this is bad, but I'm going to go in with like a little bit different mindset. Like I'll probably like have some drinks while I'm playing and I might be like watching TV more or talking to people more where if it's like a super high-stakes tournament, I'm not going to be drinking – Mm-hmm. I'm going to be focusing more on the table and less on having fun. So I would say that, yeah, there's – and and then, again, that may be a
0: bad thing. I should probably have, like, the same, like, mindset for all the tournaments, but I'm just being honest. It's not the case. I know. Uh, honesty is important, and uh, you, heard it, you heard it here first, guys, on the Cards Chat podcast. Um, <laughs> within the uh, professional poker player community, you know, the reason they call it a community, a lot of folks are friends. Um, who would you say you've gotten most friendly with Uh, Over the last few years, uh, you know, guys who played along, you know, played a lot with often, or maybe uh, you know, you talk strategy once in a while.
1: Um, I would say probably Anthony Zeno and Alex Foxon, probably are the two. Like, so before, like my my old background is the circuit background where I would hang out with like um, Lonnie Harwood and uh, Phil and Jared Ludeman and that whole group of people. Sure. Um, and sure. I still love all these people, but I don't play the circuit as much. So I don't talk with them on a daily basis as much as I would, um, Fox and or Zeno or people
0: like that. Because they sort of moved up in tandem like you did in a way.
1: Yeah. And we just travel and play a lot of the same tournaments. So we'll stay together. Um, well, like, like, say we go to Barcelona, we'll get a house and we'll stay together nice. or, uh, so yeah, it just, it's really important to have a good group of people around you when you're playing, um, not only to get better at poker because you're able to bounce ideas off each other, but just to like, have a fun to where you have a little bit of a balance where it's not just poker, you're able to when you're done, you're able to like go to the arcade or go get a nice dinner or go to the beach or whatever. And it's important to have a balance. If
0: you're just like straight poker all the time, you'll probably go kind of crazy. Wise words, (laughs) that's for sure. Um, And I've never been to the top, but I can imagine it gets lonely there. So it's good to have uh, some good buddies there for sure. Um, You know, you mentioned traveling started on the circuit. And of course uh, you've gone to Europe, you've gone, you know, plenty of places around the world. Perhaps the moment you may be most famous for, uh, at least in Europe, uh, I don't know if you're if you know what I'm uh, driving at here. It's calling off for your tournament life with the the 10 high against Manning oh, Lozer, yeah. right at uh, EPT Monte Carlo. It was the final table last year. So uh, before I ask you about it, you know, anyone who's listening or watching, uh, guys, if you haven't seen this hand, you have gotta check it out. Find it on YouTube. Ryan Reese, Manning Lozer, final table EPT Monte Carlo uh, 2019, really an unbelievable hand. It, uh, it was voted the GPI hand of the year. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you at least one question. So how do you arrive? Not, I'm not gonna go too deep into the nitty gritty strategy, but how do you arrive at a point where you're thinking on that high of a level that you could be so confident to make that call?
1: Um, well this this hand is it's very interesting, but when when Manny completes, like you you really just have to think about the pre flop action. Because when you think about because the fact that he just called preflop, you can eliminate like you can eliminate like like he, he either has aces or he has like a really, really, really bad hand. There's there's no there's no in between really. Like he never has like king two cause he would just go all in or like ace five or like Jack three, like he, like all these hands, he's just going to go all in. Cause I only had like six big blinds. Right. So when he calls, right. like he's, um, I don't want to like say that he made a mistake or anything. Cause he's a great player, but like, like most people shouldn't be completing anything in his spot against me. Like, like when he just called blind versus blind, like I instantly thought that he had absolutely nothing or maybe pocket aces, but I think he would have even shoved with pocket aces, probably. Mm-hmm. So I honestly mm-hmm. didn't think he had anything. Um, and then and then, when the hand plays out, like when you get to the river, he just still never has anything. So <laughs> I, like he never like he's not shoving ace high on the river for value. He doesn't have many jacks. If he had a jack, he would have bet the flop or the turn. He doesn't have a nine. So you just like go through like all the hands possible. And he just, in my opinion, he just couldn't have had anything um, unless he maybe has pocket aces, but then with pocket aces, I don't even know if he would shove the river. He might just bet like one big one. So.
0: Right. Right. So of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And, you know, we could talk about it from, Hey, you know, you won the hand and you were right and you're spot on. You had the soul read and the story added up, you know, if you had been wrong, would you still be saying the same thing and are you results oriented in that way or are you really just focused on the process and you know it it could be he had the you know the one the aces that he didn't expect
1: um i mean if i was wrong i would have looked like an idiot probably <laughs> but, like, but but in the in the moment like when you're in the tank like that and right. like this yeah. tournament had time bank chips too so you only have Thirty seconds to act, and then I had two time bank chips for an extra thirty seconds. Right. So you don't have a lot of time to to come up to the conclusion. But, um. But but if you ask like a lot of the, like the best players in the world, it's uh, this is actually a really easy call. Mm. Um, it, it's just the stage that it's in, and like if you just look at it in a vacuum, like wow, he called all in with ten high on the river, like for his tournament life at a main event final table, it just seems like. Like, yeah, wow, oh, that's crazy. But, but if you actually like dig deep and diagnose the hand, it's, I've definitely made way harder calls. Um, but, but not, in, not on that stage because the stage was so big. That's sure. what makes us. And that's yeah. what makes it harder because yeah. like, I think a lot of like the best players in the world would always make this call in like, a not at a final table on live stream. But I think the fact that it's on stream makes it a little bit harder. Yep. But uh but yeah, it's one of my favorite hands ever, so I'm glad you brought it up. It's cool. <laughs> I don't want to like downplay it cuz it's it's very cool. I'm glad I came up cuz I don't always we all make mistakes. I make like tons of mistakes. It seems like I'm very very hard on myself. So the fact that I was able to piece it together in 45
0: seconds or whatever I'm very happy about it. And you absolutely should be. It was an award-winning hand for a reason. And I got to say, you know, actually, like you said, you know, out of context, right? You know, when you when you can just look at it in a vacuum, you know, a lot of people, they see that hand and it's difficult to do that, but that's exactly the perspective that you bring as a professional. And you're saying that that's what a lot of guys would do. Again, in a vacuum that just adds up, that's what you're supposed to do. And it's interesting to, to get that professional perspective there. Um, you know, so Monte Carlo, you got to talk a little bit more, a little bit about that incredibly glamorous location. Of course, uh, you've been to the PCA in the Bahamas uh, several times. So first and foremost, where is a banana more expensive?
1: Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I feel like it's pretty close. Um Maybe Bahamas, to be honest, okay. but, but they're very those are the two most expensive like apples or bananas I've ever bought, for sure. The, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what kind of bankroll do, does someone really need to play uh, in Monte Carlo? And I'm not talking about just, you know, put, putting together the money to play in an event if you're getting staked back. It's an expensive place. You've got to stay there. You've got to eat there. Like you would advise not going unless someone's what? Like at what level? to so to go and play
1: um well ideally you win a package <laughs> Okay. like uh, poker stars has like tons of packages on online where you can win and they give you like travel expenses hotel the buy-in that's ideal what you should try to do but yeah it's it, it's crazy expensive um in the past we would I I would rent like a house up on like the hillside Mm. or not like a house. It was like, it was more like a little apartment. It wasn't glamorous at all, but to save money, because if you stay at the hotel at uh, Monte Carlo Bay, I think it's like $500 a night or $400 a night. And when you're staying for two weeks, that's like a whole nother buy-in for the main event or or something. You know what I mean? And then like when you add food and everything, it gets very, it gets very pricey. So I wish it wasn't so expensive because it really is beautiful there. Um, It's a great, it's a cool city. The first couple of times I went, I didn't like it, to be honest. I'm talking about Monte Carlo, sure. But I think it was just because it was so expensive, Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't used to anything that expensive. And I'm like, oh, I don't see the value here. Like, but then when you go to places like PCA, and then you go back to Monte Carlo, then you realize why it's
0: expensive. Uh Gotcha. (laughs) well, you're, you're certainly getting, I mean, if not for the bananas, at least for the experience, you're getting your money's worth in a place like that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sort of a related question. This is something I'm always curious to get the perspective of someone who plays for extremely high stakes, such as yourself. I mean, you guys, you play for, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Do you still have, at least in the back of your mind somewhere, like a little price comparison mindset when you walk into a supermarket? And you know, do you like compare flight and hotel prices? I mean, I know it sounds like sort of yeah. small potatoes, but you know, how do you sort of separate the not caring about money, so to speak, when you're at the table from sort of doing the normal human thing?
1: I'm actually pretty nitty. Um, to be honest, I've, I've, I've done a lot of like, kind of like I've made very large bets that I've lost and stuff. I'll play poker, at like very high stakes, but, um, but I'm, I, I try to, I, I think I'm pretty down to earth when it comes to like real life expenses and stuff. And I'm not gonna, like, I don't go to like fine dining restaurants all the time. Um, I kind. I'll like go to Chipotle instead of, right. you know, I, right. I, I'm like very, I, I think I'm pretty down to earth. Like my car is worth like $4,000 or something. I drive like a 2010 Jeep to be honest. I'm like, I, I don't need like extravagant stuff. I live a, pretty, pretty normal
0: life, but I do like to play poker for high stakes. That's awesome. So what, what do you enjoy spending money on? What's your splurge?
1: Um, I just bought another pinball machine. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's cool. I literally just got it like a week ago or something. Um, And that's worth more than the car to be honest, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't really spend a lot of money to be honest. Um, I like to eat, like, decent food, but I don't, like, you won't see me in, like, the, I don't even know the names of, like, the best restaurants in Vegas, but you won't see me in there ever, really. Well, I also have uh, three little kids, so sure. it's hard to kind of go out to, like, a place like that. It's not, if, if I was, like, the manager at a restaurant and someone came in with three babies, there's going to be food everywhere, all over the floor and stuff, right. so I, I would probably not want that
0: to happen. Well, it's called a happy meal for a reason. You don't need to spend hundreds of bucks per plate. You can just get the happy meal and everyone's happy for not that much money. <laughs> I heard that. Um, you are, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about your family later. It's, as a family man myself, it's something I'm interested in hearing him. Um You're, uh, you know, you said Michigan State, you're a graduate. There's also another Michigan guy, Joe Cata. Uh He's the 2009 WSOP main event champion. He's a, a Wolverines guy. So I imagine possibly a little rivalry there. And you just sort of passed him uh, for top spot on the all-time money list in the state of Michigan. So are you guys friends, are you frenemies as a uh, friendly rivals?
1: No, we're friends. I, I love Joe. Joe's awesome. Um, I was just texting him a couple of days ago on election night. We were talking uh, about the odds and stuff, but, uh, but, yeah, we're very friendly. It's it's weird because he, like, very rarely plays poker tournaments. Like, right. he doesn't really travel like like I do, at least, or did, like, pre-COVID. So I would, like, grind, like, all year, like, and then, like, slowly, like, build up, like, a couple million in cashes, and then he'll just go to the WSOP and get, like, four million in one year <laughs> with, like, three bracelets, and then it, it's amazing. I, I don't know how he does it, but it's 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 cool because we actually both push each other like on hendon mob like you said like right i I think right now we're pretty close we're probably within i don't know seven hundred thousand or a million dollars or something but yep but we kind of we push each other so it's
0: good it's a little friendly
1: but but i have nothing but love and respect for joe
0: it's good to have that um well you said you know you do travel around a lot and of course you collected a ton of flags uh, on your hendon Mob page Uh, what are your favorite places to play around the world
1: Okay, favorite places. Uh Barcelona. For sure Bar- Barcelona is amazing. Um Amsterdam is another great city. Uh they don't have a lot of like huge poker tournaments there, but I think they have they might have one or two a year that's like worth going worth like flying far to go. Sure. To sure. um Australia was awesome. I haven't been there in years, mm-hmm. but I went to Melbourne back in 2014 twice, that was awesome. Um,
0: uh, what do you like about these places? Is it the weather or the scenery? Just
1: well in, in Melbourne, I would say the people Well, also the weather. Mm-hmm. Cause I was there in February and that's south of the equator. So right. the seas opposite. So it was really hot. It was like a hundred degrees Fahrenheit right. every day. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, so the people there are really nice. Um, Barcelona is just an amazing city right on the beach. Uh, re- pretty, relatively cheap city, actually. Barcelona, yep. surprisingly. Um, Amsterdam is not cheap, but Amsterdam is, is awesome with like the little
0: canals and stuff. Have you ever been? I have been to Amsterdam. I spent nine days there once. Oh, uh, uh, cool. Yeah, it's it's uh, very nice. Like you said, it's very charming. Uh, lots yeah. of cultural activities. and. I like the, the European cities. It's kind of like very central. It's not like so spread out. So like the public transportation gets you everywhere. You can see everything. So I definitely yeah. appreciate that.
1: Yeah. You don't need to drive. Like in Amsterdam, everyone's riding bikes everywhere and sure. stuff.
0: It's a very cool city. So and, and you get out and you make sure you're not just sitting with a felt. You spend maybe like an extra day or two in each place. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. I normally get there a couple of days early, maybe a day or two early, and then leave a day or two late and then... I try to bring my family um, to as many places as I can, so you get a little bit more balance where it's not just straight poker. Well, um, can- oh, speaking of bringing family, Cyprus is another great place. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, they have they have great tournaments there, and it's it's a great place to bring your family because they just have an all you can as if once once you get your room, they have a buffet that's all you can eat all day every day for everyone for free. Amazing. So, like, when I'm playing, it's so easy for my wife to, like, take the kids to the buffet. They can get food easy, in and out. They have lots of activities for kids. So, yeah, I highly recommend Cypress. That's pretty cool. That's probably my wife's favorite place that we go to. to go.
0: Amazing. That's actually very close to me. It's about an hour's flight from here in Israel, so maybe I'll try that sometime. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe not the high roller tournaments, but free buffet, man. How can you lose? Yeah. Um, so I actually want to ask you about that. As far as family, you know, there's obviously um you know adjustments by definition that people have to make, you know you're single, then okay, married and family. you still manage to do it. You take your kids everywhere. Like, how do you sort of see yourself striking that balance into the future, especially now? you know, like I guess it works out with the pandemic. There's not too much going on. But as things open up again and you know the world gets a little normal, do you sort of, intend to continue traveling like you've done and and maybe keep bringing your family along
1: I do yeah um I'm very lucky My, my wife is amazing um she she does so much like I definitely would not be able to have like any sort of balance if it wasn't for her um she just does so much for the kids and for me and she's like I don't know how she does it she's like a superhero but but she does it so I give all the she, she allows me to have a balance and to like hang out with friends and play poker and be with the kids and do it all without having too much weight on my
0: shoulders, too much without me wearing too many hats. That's amazing. I, I also married up. I know exactly what you're, t- what you're talking about. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, I've been married for 18 and a half years and I still never get tired of those. How did you meet stories? So maybe you can share that. Uh, you know, was it while you were traveling? But I, th- I think she's, she's Ukrainian, your wife, right? Yes, she is Ukrainian,
1: yeah, yeah. and we were actually, I was in the Dominican Republic for, uh, they had a party poker event, and she was there with her family on vacation Mm -hmm. with her mom, and uh, yeah, I just met her, and we started dating, like,
0: shortly after that, I met her in Paris, like, a month later, and then brought her back to America, the rest is history. Wow, and what did you think of the, uh, the poker lifestyle? Did you know anything about it before meeting you? She I think she modeled for like a poker tournament
1: like a few years before. Um just like a one-time thing where she was like like one of the Royal Flush Girls, for instance, where you uh-huh. just like walk around and talk to the players and look pretty. And uh I'm pretty sure she did that. Th- that was like her only um poker experience, really. Um another crazy story. I think her ex-boyfriend oh, own- is <laughs> He owns an apartment in Kiev, and he rents it out to Makita, Bad Ziyakowsky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best players in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's kind of a small world. But, Indeed. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so she didn't have, like, a huge, um, like, background in poker, but she knew about it. She likes to play. Like, I played the tag team event with her last year. Oh, well, that's fun. Uh, we have, like, a little heads-up machine in the house. We'll, like, battle heads-up sometimes, and she beats me, like, every now and then she she can hold her own. She's decent. That's so, pretty good. Well, who wins at pinball? And, what's that? Who wins at pinball though? I'm better at she's not a big pinball person, <laughs> but she prefers <laughs> poker. But she's decent. You may when the kids are older, you may see her in the ladies event and stuff.
0: There you, uh, go. Um, there you go. What do you enjoy most about being a father?
1: Um, probably just watching the kids grow. It like mine are all really young still. So it's so cool to just watch them. They're like sponges. Like they learn so much. They absorb all this information. Like I need to watch like what I say and what I do because they're going to copy me. They're going <laughs> to do the same stuff. So it's it, uh, it's just cool to watch them grow. Like my, uh, my oldest one is four. She speaks Russian and English like fluently. Awesome. And she's learning like Chinese Soon she's going to learn Spanish. She, it, she's just like amazing. Like I, I don't speak like any Russian really. And but <laughs> and she can do it if she's four. So it's, it's just, it's cool to watch them just become like go from like being a baby to being a,
0: a child and then eventually an adult. It's, it's cool. It's awesome. And it's cool. I got to say also as a fan of, poker for so long. Of course, I'm in it as you know, media member, but it's great to see a bunch of guys who came up, you know, were just young, you know, 20 or 20-somethings and now starting families and, you know, living normal lives as well and continuing to succeed uh, both on and off the felt. It's uh, really heartwarming. So good for you, man. So it's, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. Uh, sure. Um, so just a couple more questions before we get into the uh, community questions portion of the show. Um, when casual p- uh, fans, when they picture you, you know, unless they're, you know, again, casual fans. So they probably picked you wearing the, uh, you know, the Calvin Johnson, the Detroit Lions yep. uh, jersey from when you they're won the main event. Here. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Are are you still a fan of all the, the Detroit sports teams? Or like, you're now in Vegas. So are you now maybe like a Golden Knights and a Raiders fan?
1: Um, yeah, I am a Golden Knights and Raiders fan, but I still love my Detroit teams. Um, I. I like the Detroit team, like I like the wings over the Knights. Like if they were to play, um, I would still Oh, well, I guess if like the Knights are really good and the wings are really bad, it doesn't make sense for the wings to win, so I would root for the Knights. But like if both team if they were like played each other in like the Stanley Cup finals or actually I think they're in the same division, so it'd be impossible. But you know what I mean. Like if they sure. if it was a competitive sure. game that meant something, I would still root for the Detroit teams. Well,
0: um but it might change. Like as I live here longer, you never know. Right. Well, that's what I want to ask you. What, what do you enjoy most uh, about living in Las Vegas? Um, I love the weather. Yeah.
1: Uh, in Detroit it's already getting really cold. Um, here it's still like 80 degrees or something. Love it. So <laughs> I, I love the weather. I love, I have a lot of friends here, um, that are in like the, a lot of friends that are poker players or poker dealers or, uh, one of my best friends growing up, he moved out here. He's a personal trainer.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So just like, I love the fam, I love family and friends. I don't have any family out here really, but my friends out here are like family. Um, it's, it's a great place to be a poker player because they have great tournaments that come here all the time. I don't have to leave where if I lived in Michigan, for instance, I would have to leave a lot more here if there's a big tournament. I can go and come back and tuck my kids into bed. So Beautiful. that's uh yeah. yeah. Good stuff. And and the food's great here.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> the food's
0: amazing. The, uh, it's, well, they got McDonald's it's like, everywhere, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a relatively cheap place to live too. Um right. compared to like if you wanted to live in LA or Miami or something, there's not a lot of traffic. So a lot of things
0: I really like about here. Awesome. So uh, my last question for you, before we get to to what the community at Cards Chat wanted to ask you, Uh, you've dropped references uh, on your Twitter feed in the past having had some interesting jobs. Uh, You know, you already said, of course you were a dealer, but you were also a Kmart cashier, uh, a grocery (laughs) store cart guy, a parking booth attendant, Uh, maybe you can share a a funny or a crazy story from back in the day where you used to do those uh, very interesting jobs.
1: Okay. So yeah, when I was in high school, I just worked at the Kmart that was right down the street from me. I just, I would like be a part-time cashier. Sometimes I would like get the carts from outside in the parking lot. I'd help like older people load like mulch or a bike or a TV or whatever into their car. So just like an everything kind of guy at Kmart. Mm -hmm. And then, when I went to Michigan state and then I was like a poker dealer a little bit too. Right. And then when I went to Michigan state, I applied with the police and to, to be like in the parking booth. So I like worked in the parking booth where all the kids park to go to school. And so like when they leave, they'd pay me like a couple of dollars and I'd let them out. Um, but that was actually an amazing job because I'm able to just like sit in this booth and study. Like I'm yeah. able to like get all my homework done. I'm able to like prepare for exams. Like they have wifi in the booth, so I could like play games on my computer. I, I can, it, it was a, it was a great job. And there's like a ton of downtime because you only really worked when the class is let out. Right. So you're just sitting there for 30 minutes and no one's driving by and then the class comes out and then there's like 50 cars leaving and then you have more free time. So that right. was a, I actually highly recommend that job for any, any college students, if you have a job where you can just like sit down and study and get paid for it, do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's definitely some good, solid advice from someone who's uh, blazed that trail. Um, Well, this is the uh, portion of the show where we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. And our first question comes from Antonis32123. Uh, Ryan, what is the funniest behavior by other poker players or the strangest incident that you've seen at the poker tables over all these years that you could share with us?
1: Funniest thing or strangest thing I've seen at a poker table?
0: Mm -hmm. Hmm. I like this question because we never know what to expect. It really could be anything.
1: I don't think I've seen anything and I feel bad not being able to answer this question, but I don't think I've seen anything that crazy that was at like my like like say at w s o p this past year where like the guy took his clothes off and started streaking and throwing himself throw through his shoe at someone or something that's crazy, but that i wasn't that wasn't at my table um huh I might have to get back to him on this one. I can't think of anything off the top of my head,
0: fair enough, I and mean, it's funny like <laughs> it's very interesting how everyone in the community knows that story. So we are like mentioned it by the way, but that is kind of crazy that a guy did that at the World Series. That
1: <laughs> is very crazy. Yeah. So I was like trying to think of something that like could compare to that. And I'm like, uh-huh. I am like, I don't think I've seen anything crazy. Oh, yeah. oh, actually I do remember. No, I wasn't there though. But this was kind of a crazy story. Sure. I used to go to this poker room in Flint all the time, Flint, oh. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a good tournament on Fridays. And so I would always drive from Michigan State there on Friday. I think it was, like, a $50 buy-in with, like, 2000 for first or something, which is a mm-hmm. good tournament. Yep. And uh, and one day I, d- I didn't go on a Friday, and there was a guy who, like, got on the table with the gun and, like, told everyone to, like, empty their pockets or something. <laughs> or he going to, like, start shooting. Wow. And then there was a cop who was in there who was playing poker, and he just he just shot him and killed him. Oh, my God.
0: Like, wow. in the middle of
1: the and I, and this was like, I was going every Friday and for some reason I didn't go this Friday and it was one of the days that it happened. Wow. Super crazy story from like, gosh, when was this? This had to have been like 2011 or something.
0: A long wow. time ago. Well, that certainly I, I qualifies aware. as a crazy story, but I guess it's not the place you want to be when, when something like that happens. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. And goodness. Flint was really bad back then. I mean, it's yeah. still pretty bad. I still don't even think they have clean water, to mm. be honest. But, sure. uh, but yeah. Sure. Sounds crazy.
0: <laughs> our, uh, our next question comes from Bella Donna Zero uh, Five. sort of a multi-part question. Uh, I know you like uh, this. Is, she says, uh, "It seems you love to do Twitter polls. So let's hear your preferences, your either ors on some of the ones that you did. Uh, All right, either or, chips or big
1: blinds, big blinds. But it's funny because actually, and it's not even close. But when I posted that poll. I was still doing chips. Oh,
0: I, okay. I was. I,
1: yeah, and then I switched, and it's like, I, I, I it's so much easier. Like if you're playing multiple tables, I guess if you're playing like one table or something, it right. doesn't matter that much because you can do the math fast. But mm-hmm. if you're playing like tables, having to do that extra math and then extrapolate it over like a ten hour
0: session or something, you're For just sure. gonna be are tired. Not not just an answer, but also a reason. I like it. Um, (laughs) Hotel or Airbnb?
1: Um, It depends on how long the trip is, probably. Um, Like if I'm going to go somewhere, my wife prefers hotels. Um, Like if I'm going to go somewhere for two or three days, I'll get a hotel. But if I'm going to stay somewhere for a couple weeks, I probably want an Airbnb because there's more space um it also depends on if my family's with me i don't right i don't want to be in a hotel room with three kids and my wife <laughs> I, I need sometimes we need to spread
0: out a little bit so I uh, that okay good answer okay
1: there's so many so many different factors
0: like the location who right. i'm with and long. Um, but cool. well here's a location one canada or mexico um
1: Canada. What's the hesitation? Canada. Um, it. I guess it kind of depends. Like, there's just so many great cities in Canada. There aren't mm. that many great cities in Mexico. But I'm like a huge weather guy. So mm. like, like I, like if you had, to, if I have to pick, like being Mexico on the beach where it's nice, or being Canada where it's like snowy. Right. I I would just rather pick Mexico, even if like the city's kind of corrupt and dangerous. I, I I'm I don't like the cold. The I, hear stuff. I hear that. I hear that. I did it for too many years back in Michigan.
0: Gotcha. You paid your dues. Uh, and the last uh, either or from uh, Belladonna05 is Cowboys or Jets. Oh, which seems worse? Uh
1: <laughs> probably. I don't know. It's close. I mean, I think like 80% of of people said the Jets, and they're probably a little bit worse, but the Cowboys are really bad. (laughs) They're really bad on both sides of the ball, so.
0: There's no right or wrong answer. (laughs) Most of
1: my polls, I try to make them pretty close um, Hmm. to where... Like I'm not gonna put make a poll where it's like it's really obvious because sure. then why make the poll? You know? Sure. So so sure. normally I try to make them somewhat competitive, but nice. Uh, okay. I, I feel like sure. the, the last two you said were blowouts on the with the answers. Like everyone said Canada, and everyone said the Jets were worse.
0: That's <laughs> well, good to hear your <laughs> opinion on it too. Um yeah. Acid Burn FX asks a couple questions. Uh, it's a really good one. I like this one. Who are your main inspirations? Um, probably my parents,
1: to be honest. Um, yeah, they've, they've just done so much for me and they've always supported me, even when I, uh, like have made mistakes, maybe haven't been like the best person I
0: could be. And yeah, I would say my parents for a lot of reasons. That's wonderful. Beautiful. Shout out to mom and dad. Um, and the second one from acid burn FX, when did you realize that poker had become something serious, like a job? Probably not until
1: I won a lot of money. Um, not until like my Hammond score back Mm. in, um, October of 2012, because before that I was going, I was a college student. I was partying way too much. Um, I never really played poker sober ever, so Mm. it wasn't. It was just like I'd go out and we'd drink beers and have pizza, hang out with friends. And I, I'm like a pretty good functioning um, – I, I function well when I'm intoxicated. Sure. Like sure. Um, another funny story, I did a cruise, a poker cruise with Norwegian. Uh, me and Kata and Lonnie and a few other people, Kelly Minkin, we're all, we were all like ambassadors for this cruise. So We would do this poker cruise every year. Awesome. And I remember one time – It was a hundred dollar buy in tournament on the cruise. And I was so drunk. So it kept, I I, I like, don't remember anything, but it was like 7 AM and we were pulling into the port somewhere in like Jamaica or something. And you couldn't play You couldn't gamble when you were at the port, you could only gamble when when you're out at sea. Right. So they, they told us that we had to stop and the, I guess I had all the chips. So all the other, there were five of us left and the other four people agreed to give me first place money and they were going to chop the rest because I had that many chips, but like, I didn't remember any of this. <laughs> and, then, and then the next day, there was like another tournament the next day and the people come up to me and they're like, congrats for yesterday. And I'm like, thanks. Cause like, I knew I won, but like, I didn't remember any of the people. So like they said that like they were at the table. I like didn't remember at all. <laughs> that's a great story. I got compliments at saying that they've never seen somebody play so good and be so drunk at the same
0: time. So that was kind of <laughs> that's an awesome, awesome, awesome story. I don't know if I would advise. That's uh, in order to win, but certainly a great story to tell.
1: Yeah. Oh, so, so oh, back yeah. to the question. So oh, sure. When did I start taking it seriously? Mm-hmm. So back when I was in college, I was kind of did that a lot because like the tournaments are like $20 tournaments. Right. Uh, I I just wanted to have fun. I'm like 20-year-old college kid. Like, let's go party and drink and have fun, play some poker. And then after I um, made a lot of money, then it's like, okay, this is my bankroll, this is my money. I can't just go like blow a couple hundred dollars here and there. And I have to be smarter with it. So then I started taking it more seriously.
0: Gotcha. And uh, our last set of a couple questions come from shells. shells thank you very much. You've been so good. Uh, always sending us a few questions for our interviewees. Uh, Ryan, what advice would you give any new main event champion uh, at the WSOP? Um, don't start like
1: backing a whole bunch of players. Um, don't go and play super high stakes. Just take your money and try to make it, try and stretch it as long as possible. A lot of times people like make a lot of money, say they make a million dollars and they're like, okay, let's get to 10 million. right? And then they right. try to like do it too fast and then they end up losing it. So um, I think if you have like, no money, then it's okay to try to hit a million or try to hit 10 million. But once you have like a good foundation, don't, don't gamble too hard and don't, don't go play hundred K buy-ins because you just won 5 million. Don't go start, start a stable backing a whole bunch of players. Cause you're probably going to like stretch yourself too thin and you can end up in a bad situation. Um, I would say buy Bitcoin, um, buy a house or two, buy some real estate, That
0: would probably be my advice. Good advice. Good advice. Um, Is there any single thing that you think you may still need to improve on while playing poker?
1: Yeah, everything. I'm (laughs) always like, I'm always trying to improve. I never think, I know like back in the day, I said I was the best player in the world. But I think it's important to have that mindset that you are the best at whatever you do whether you're, you're interviewing me, you should think that you're one of the best interviewers in the world. Right? Like, do you think that?
0: I I mean, I tried my best.
1: (laughs) If not, then keep trying to get better, you know, but it's important to have that mindset. And I think if you have the mindset that you are the best and then you keep like trying to achieve that, eventually you'll achieve it. Hmm. Like stuff just doesn't happen. Like, like by accident, like, like Michael Jordan didn't just like wake up one day and was like, oh, I'm like the best basketball player in the world. He like thought he was the best basketball player in the world and then continued to work for that and then eventually achieved that, you know? So things don't just like happen by mistake. You have to like believe it. And if you don't believe it, no one else is going to believe it. Mm. So I think it's important to have that that mindset that you are the best if you want to be the best. And like as a poker player – you have to be like – you have to have so much confidence in what you're doing at the table because if you're sitting down at the table and you and you think the other people are better than you and you're like in like guessing mode where you're like, oh, like I'm not that confident. Like these guys are better than me. Like what do I do here? You're not going to win. You're just going to – you're going to get torn up. I so you it. I think it's important to to have that mindset. Not everyone has it
0: i, I love i love it it certainly resonates with me and i imagine it resonates with a lot of people and before we get to shell's last question i have to say that that proves true no matter what level you're actually at i played and i just have to share my little story is i played oh, in my first wsop bracelet event last year i played in the 1500 dealer's choice because i love i play home games for the last 15 years and i knew that <clears throat> that obviously my table would be full of bracelet winners you got a 400 strong field of, you know, you name them, they're on like way up on the hanging mob. But, and I had no premonition, okay, like I'm better than these guys, but I certainly felt I'm at the top of my game and I'm going to do my best. There was no lack of confidence whatsoever, even when, you know, guys who I've only seen on TV sat down at the table. So I, I got to agree with you. You got to go in feeling that, you know, that, feeling you're the best that that you have be. a shot. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, that,
1: that, yeah. You don't have to think that you're like better than all of them, but you right. have to think right. you can't think that they're out of your league or yeah. else you just yeah. shouldn't sit down. It's like not financially responsible to sit down. If you think that everyone's way better than you, why would, why would you play
0: a hundred percent? And for those who were wondering, I did not win that bracelet uh, or cash in that event, but I made it halfway through the field. So I was very happy. Here you go. Uh, thank you. What, what are your favorite games of those? Oh, that's a I, nice question. I, I don't know a lot of those games, but I, I'll ask you a question. Thank you. All seven cards, stud and stud high-low, I absolutely love. And I love Deuce 7 triple draw. Can't get enough of it. It's good stuff. Okay. It's good. So, I, I highly recommend you give it a try. I love Deuce 7 single draw. Yes. That's a, that's a tough game. It's not about me. What, what do you love about that game?
1: Um I love that it's very pure. There's a lot of bluffing. Um Yeah, it's cool that there's only one draw. I like the, I I don't like games that you can't bet a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I like Badugi mm-hmm. for some reason, and I like Raz, and those are both limit games. But but I don't like like limit hold'em. I despise That's my least favorite game for sure. Um I don't, <laughs> I don't know anyone who says I don't, don't like limit comedy. hold'em. I, I don't. I don't like not being able to bluff the river. Like if right. I don't have the best hand, and when you can only bet like a tenth pot or whatever, like right. you bet so small, like no one ever folds, and and then when I bet really small and they call with like a hand that they would fold if I would bet more, I get so upset. Yeah, so I, I hear that. Um, but
0: it is good to try all the games though. So <laughs> it's important. Yeah. No, I'm gonna get in the dealer's choice with you one year. There we go. It's a date. Uh, and our our final question here. Uh I think it kind of applies cuz we've kind of covered a whole bunch of stuff. Do you even have any spare time? What do you like to do in any spare time you might have?
1: Um I like to go hiking. Mm. I I uh I love games, all any kind of game whether it's like ping pong, uh billiards, darts, um connect four, chess, like I literally anything i i just have games everywhere my house is just full of games that's um,
0: awesome what yeah, do you play like, with your with your daughters what do you, what what game do you enjoy playing
1: uh we play we just have like kids board games like headband zingo just like they're they're really small so they can't do sure. a lot of the more active stuff i tried playing ping pong with my four-year-old but it's it's tough right it, it's it's tough for her <laughs> I, hear <laughs>
0: eventually. I hear that i hear that Well, that was uh, really enjoyable. Thank you very much to Shells, to everyone from the Cards Chat community who sent in questions for Ryan Reese. And just, uh, of course, a friendly reminder to everyone uh, in the Cards Chat community, I you're hanging out in the forums. We would love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests. Uh, There is, of course, a dedicated thread, so be sure to post there. Uh, And of course, please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show, uh, Ryan, before we let you go, uh, anything else you'd like to add? Oh, but thanks for having me. It was fun. It's good to talk. Well, likewise, I appreciate it. It's good to, to have company in these times, uh, even socially distant company. So thank you, uh, Ryan. And thank you, everybody, uh, for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. Life. I hope you have a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.